Well hello there and welcome to the AFA podcast, the official podcast of animationforadults.com. This is episode 19. Nearly at almost the... Almost bi- 20. Yeah, almost at the big 2-0. Um, and you can find all our previous episodes on animationforadults.com, on Stitcher, on iTunes and on podcast.com. And I am Chris and I am joined, as you have already heard, by Rachel. Hi Rachel. Hey there everybody. <laughs> How's it going? It's going pretty darn good. Awesome. And Dan, hello Dan. Hey Chris, how you doing? Alright. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exa- no, it, it, exactly the same. Just like, it's been, you know, a crummy weekend and it's been bad weather and I've just been... Yeah. But, yeah. you know. But we're here to talk about cartoons. Exactly. Yeah. Everyone needs that. <laughs> And Yvonne's here. Hi, Yvonne. Hey. <laughs> How's it going? Good, good. Uh, I've, I've been uh, crazy busy. I have a bunch of stuff going on with um, Animation Nights New York and uh, and a new freelance gig on top of tap stuff. So my, my yeah, head's about to spin off my body, but um, I'm... I'll, I don't know, wear a hat to tie it down. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a good first step there. <laughs> exactly. No, it's good, though. It's all, all really happy, good stuff. Oh, and you're pretty much making a flying visit today, but you wanted to talk about the most recent Animation Nights New York event this past week, didn't you? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Um... Yeah, I, it was fantastic. We had uh, International Showcase of Animated Shorts, um, and we had a packed house. Um, honestly, it was standing room only. And um, we, I, we just got a write-up uh, recently on the CIFA East blog, so that's there. <laughs> um, it was a really nice review. I had no idea um, anyone was going to blog about it, but um, that was a pleasant surprise as well. Um but yeah, we just it was it was mobbed. Uh, it was wonderful. Everyone was very excited. We had a wonderful audience again, and the films were you know of course beautiful. But uh, I'm just really excited. It seems to be growing. And next month, uh, December 9th, is going to be the New York Independence, another New York Indep- Independence program. So uh, yeah, it's it's just super exciting. We we got some other really great news that I can't even mention but um basically like all the people that i've reached out to the animators um have been very receptive and um and generous and letting us screen their films so um it's been this really nice combination of you know submitted films which are up to 550 now and um and uh invitationals so yeah so exciting so exciting and uh it it was a, a terrific event Awesome. Yeah. That's excellent. I just still can't believe like how quickly it's all taking off. That's that's yeah. Amazing. I know, right? <laughs> I actually really want to go. If I ever had the opportunity to stop by New York, <clears throat> it's like if like during the time it was it was happening, like how like is it open access to everyone, or is it just like for a select group of people? Oh no, it's definitely open open to, to anyone yeah um but we're growing uh it seems like so i mean we'll, we'll see what happens um through the winter months but it seems like the animation nights in new york is really something that people want and um they've come up and 
and said thank you and you know thank you for doing this and you know it's just it, it, we had such a nice mix of people and um a nice uh mix of you know men and women there and uh, all different ages and mm-hmm. all different ethnicities you know we just had a great mix and um you know and everyone really hung out and and uh enjoyed the the films you know i it was really terrific i mean I mean, the only there's no downside, you know, except that everyone was doing three jobs, and we probably need to find someone who's willing to take some photographs. <laughs> um, but because uh, you know, we don't, none of us really have enough time to to document it properly. But um, it was just a great night. It was a really terrific night. But yeah, it's, it definitely opened t- to anyone. So um, I would love it. I would love to see you at one. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, just, you know, let me need, like, I know you said the next one's in December, right? Yeah, December 9th. Uh, it's always the second Wednesday of every month, so um, we're keeping that consistent. And um, and for now, it's it's at the same venue, um, which, uh, yeah, yeah, we're, I don't know, if it keeps being mobbed like this. <laughs> I'll, I'll see what happens. I mean, obviously, um, holidays are going to be really, you know, really sticky for me, but uh, maybe maybe after the new year I'm thinking of uh, I'll see if I can take the day off day off from work oh. and see if I can make it down oh my gosh that would be awesome that would be so cool oh, that would be terrific yeah we have um, I think uh, January would be I think it's like just New Year's picks I think it's going to be um, half invitational and uh, or a few invitationals and then um, mostly film submitted from Phil Freeway and then I have a guest curator curating for February and a guest curator one or two curating for March. So Okay. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and of course when if people would like to submit a film. Yes, okay. uh yeah, sorry. Um you could go to animationnights.nyc. Um we're also listening on Film Freeway but there's a link on the website to Film Freeway, and uh, we're on Twitter uh, at Anim Nights and Y, and uh, yeah, but all of that's on the website too. You can find links to it. Yeah, there's a, there's a nice link to it on the AFA website as well. Now yes. there you go. Yes, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So if you want to add to Avon's workload. Mm-hmm. You could you could do that. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. I'm honored to watch your short films, <laughs> and as are my other judges. <laughs> awesome. Cool. So, is there anything else you'd like to add, or is uh, do you do you need to take off? Yeah, um, that's really it. I mean, I'm just super amped about. Um, but how, how it's going, like, again, you know, everyone is just, it's just wonderful. Um, it's just a one, really wonderful event, so. I'm so pleased that it's really turned off for you, because, like, curating is such, it takes, it just takes a lot of time, doesn't it? And you, I can't believe how many movies you must be watching. <laughs> Over, like, 500, just, like, I don't know if I could, I, could, yeah. I, I don't know if I could make it through 10. <laughs> but for, for what I'm saying is, you know, like, it, I'm sure it, it's probably great to, uh, you know, to put in those long nights and then for people to really enjoy the programs that you're putting together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really terrific. I mean, one thing is, it uh, it's always, I, I mean, I, I guess it's been 
it makes sense. Like, it's always interesting to watch a curated show with an audience, you know, because I've probably watched it, you know, three or four times at least. Myself, um, trying to work out the proper order and um, sort of, uh, you know what I mean? Because you have to sort of think about the audience and, like, how the overall thing will come together and you need to pace it properly, you know, and not, you know, I tend towards... um, really enjoying like darker films <laughs> and um you know if i can't just play those because then it would be everyone would leave really sad <laughs> that, yeah, also, like, those. The, yeah the thing the thing with short films which is really like unique is they can lose their impact if they're you know if you're watching like something that's meant to be darker or maybe affecting um you know towards the end of an hour of right. shorts I mean, you can, like, do it, like, you know, towards the end-ish, but you really have to, uh, shorts are not really made to, uh, to be with, like, each other, I don't think, so they must yeah, be really hard to, um... It depends, find... I mean, yeah, I mean, it depends, because there are some that, um, I mean, they're all quality of all of them in the last year were really high, the quality was really high, I mean, and, uh, yeah. and it... It, it, it works really well together, but some of them you can really play around with style and um, and sort of like use the different types of movies almost as like palette cleansers in a way. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. Because um, some of them, you know, the, say the more abstract ones, kind of reset your brain a little bit. <laughs> and mm. um, you know, and or funny, of, funny ones as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's super important. Yeah, to sort of um, use the funny uh, films and the and the abstract films to sort of you know. They they get to have their own voice, and they also serve to, um, I don't know, like prepare everyone for like the next film too. I don't know. It just they work really well together. But um, we did have a nice. I did, definitely did make sure to put an intermission in between. Uh, we we played dinner for a few, then we had an intermission because <laughs> that film is um, really intense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and wonderful, you know, wonderful. And then we started up again with. Uh, with Wife of Bath. It was awesome. <laughs> the Joanna Coyne film. Yeah. I've not seen that one. What's it called? No. Wife of Bath? Wife of Bath, yeah. You can actually watch that one online. Um, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It's. Um... Go ahead. Sorry, Chris. Is that anything to do with the Canterbury Tales? Yes. That's it. That, that, that's uh, what I thought. I recognized that name. It's like, why the fuck? Oh, no, I, I have seen that. That one's amazing. The, yeah. the one with, like, the old hag, or is it an old yes. man? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's incredible animation. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And I love her work. I I um, reached out to her, and she's gracious enough to send me a, a copy <clears throat> to, to, you know, to play in the festival. That's so great. I know. <laughs> I know, honestly, like I, I've totally written her fan email. <laughs> I don't know if she knew that was me, but I love her work. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yes, it's very good when you get to work with people who you've admired for a long time. Yeah, that's the thing, and, and uh, yeah, like I said, like people who have reached out to have been um, very receptive. Like I, I think. Uh, I mean, there are, you know, other screening venues, but um, there's, I just think there's room, f- there's just plenty of room for more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. 
Hopefully it keeps growing and growing and growing, and hopefully you can, accom- you can accommodate that. Yes, we. I'm not worried. I, I think we'll be okay. Um, we'll, we'll find a way to um, make sure everyone's comfortable and happy and can watch the films. That's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, then hopefully make, even make some money out of it one day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no, um, yeah, that's the other um, hurdle that I'm sort of working on because I, I want, I think it's important that it stays free and mm-hmm. I think it's important that uh, that we keep the film submissions free um, because this, those fees for submitting your film, I mean, I understand why they're there and everything, but it's just, some people can't afford that, you know? And, um, you know, I just feel like filmmakers should get maybe, you know, a little bit of a reward for their hard labor, you know, especially for short films. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, we're, I have a plan of action that I'm putting together for all of that. But, uh, I mean, it's really about communication, you know, and, and I'm also, <laughs> I mean, I have plans to sort of, um, like, on that topic as well. Like, I, I uh, you know, short film is just wonderful mode of self-expression and you know it's great to have you know people there sort of talking about the films and talking to one another and networking and again it's like people of all ages are talking to one another but uh you know i'm trying to find ways to sort of get the international filmmakers people who can't make it out here in the area i mean i would love to eventually be able to like just fly filmmakers and you know Mm -hmm. um, that'd be awesome Right. Now, I mean, and, uh, you know, again, we want to, the goal is to also, you know, make this a yearly festival. You know, I I think I, I don't know if I mentioned this or not, but um, the monthly screeners are added to a queue, um, and then there, all goes well, there will be a best of show um, that's juried. And then we'll have, you know, proper laurels for that but uh and i'd love for that to be more of an event and not just uh not not have like first second third prizes but the award would be you know getting into that show and then you know i'd love to be able to do something for all of those filmmakers but we shall see we shall see all you know putting all that together that's those are larger plans i mean for right now we're just sort of curating the next show you know and and, um Hmm. you know looking at movies and stuff it's exciting. It's very exciting. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so, I guess, do you want to get off then? Yeah, yeah. I, I have to run. I'm, I'm sorry about that, but um, I will be I will be listening to this as soon as it's posted. <laughs> Where can we find you on the interwebs? I am on Twitter at Eisner underscore Inc. Yep. And, uh, yep. And, uh, oh, and, and Animation Nights to NYC, if you want to submit your film. Or just check out stills, uh, from the previous shows. Yep. Or just follow the links from AFA to find Yes. It. Yes. That will also get you there. Well, thanks for joining us, however briefly. <laughs> we know you're very busy. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope to talk to you guys soon. <laughs> All right. Take care, Yvonne. Alrighty. See you, Yvonne. <laughs> bye bye. So, who wants to guess how long it is going to be until everyone's like, ah, I'm this big deal person, I can't have got any time for this little podcast. Well, at the rate she's <laughs> going, like, a month, right? It's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's crazy.
He'd be like, no, yeah, no, no, I, I haven't got any time for the podcast. I've got to go off and organise this international film festival. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, well, I don't yeah. know where she finds the time. Because yeah. it's, it's so much work, like, just watching... Even just like attending festivals is exhausting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's... So like curating them, but it sounds like a really fun um, evening, which is like the most important thing. Yeah, I know. I, wish, really I just like wish there was a, I don't know, that Elon Musk bullet train yeah. thing. So I just buzz to New York every Wednesday and <laughs> yeah, and hang out. Yeah, it'd be amazing. Get on yeah. it, Elon Musk. Get on it. <laughs> I mean, come on, wishing for that is pretty much the same as wishing for a teleporter, but you know. <laughs> or a teleporter. One day. One day. That that would do as well. Teleporter would be fine. Uh, yeah. Right. Um, okay. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a sort of mishmash general show today because we, we did have a, an original topic, but we had to rearrange because Jill couldn't make it this week. So we're gonna save that for a. She was week. the. She was gonna be like one of the uh, one of the experts, kind of guiding us through. I think so. It's yes. kind of pointless trying. Yeah. yeah. So we are going to. We're not even gonna tell you what it is. What's gonna be? We're just gonna tease that there is a future episode. With the topic. Yes, with a topic <laughs> that Jill is an expert on. There you go. Um, but. We are going to obviously talk about our normal news discussion, um, and there's been some pretty big news developments in the past week or so, including the very first images released from Tom Moore's upcoming third feature film, Wolfwalkers. And that yeah, is, right. That is very exciting indeed. Yeah, I'm really super stoked about that. It looks. I love the design of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, because this is um, this is Cartoon Saloon. Normally, when you look at concept art, that doesn't necessarily mean that's what the film's going to look like. But yeah, the sea looks a lot like its concept art. <laughs> um, that's what, that's so what there's a good for. chance. So there's yeah. a good chance it's going to look something similar to what the images that we're looking at here. Yeah. Yeah, they... I, I I remember I had like the Song of the Sea concept art like on my desktop wallpaper mm-hmm. for like two years because <laughs> I was like, yeah, just just waiting for it. Yeah, and back in the summer when I talked to Tom Moore um, for the site, he actually talked about the film a bit, which is when we knew what it was. Um, it wasn't like an exclusive or anything. He told everyone. <laughs> But in what he said to us at the time um, was, it's called Wolfwalkers. It's set during the English Civil War in the mid-1600s when Oliver Cromwell decided he was going to symbolically tame Ireland by killing all the wolves. So he sent hunters over. As they killed a certain amount of wolves, they got a bit of land. And the main protagonist is a little boy from England who comes over with his dad and he arrives where where Tom Moore's from in Kilkenny and he runs up he runs up but against around here wolves weren't seen as baddies they were seen as people because the, the Irish mythological belief was that wolves were um, were people that St. Patrick had put a curse on Ooh. When, they, when they wouldn't convert from paganism 
So that a lot ah. of people believed that wolves, especially around the Kilkenny okay. area, were people. And But one thing that's come out from this concept art that Tom Moore released on Tumblr is that it is now no longer a little boy, it's a little girl. Yeah, it's that's why I was character. looking at the, the art here. It's like, that's, that looks distinctly female. It is. Wow. Um, so it, it's Robin with a Y now. Uh, mm. So it's easy. They could have gone Robin with an I and then gone, hang on. Why can't it be a girl? That's great. Uh, which is, yeah. It's interesting. I remember reading something ages ago from, well, not that long ago, because <laughs> it was about Bojack Horseman. It was someone, um, one of the writers on Bojack Horseman, a, a woman writer on it, um, mm. who said something about them sitting around in the writer's room and basically coming up to the realisation when they were they were coming up with like, you know, some throwaway character or something and how the default would be, oh just make it a male whatever. You know, it was in this case it wasn't right. a male it didn't even be a male human, it might be a male zebra or whatever. And you know, she was saying, Why <laughs> why not why can't it be a woman? Or a female in the case of another animal. Mm-hmm. And that is, I think that's something very true. And also. That is a very good question, especially when you're in the right, you know, when you're trying to write something. That's a very good question. It's like, what, what makes something or a character have to be one gender or the other? Like, what, mm. what qualities are they going to have that, you know, that, that makes them distinctly that particular gender or just, you know, does it, or does it even really matter? At this yeah. point, I I think uh, there are there are many really excellent writers who would have no problem just swip, sw- you know flicking that switch and mm-hmm. just saying, oh, this character works equally well as whatever gender. Well, there's been a lot of recent examples of like they made Lady Four and things like that, and um, the the Ghostbusters female reboot, things like that. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. Doing... And to be honest, if you're going to be doing remakes, I think that's a good way to be doing it. You know, make it in a different style. Do a gender swap one, or do like with a more diverse cast or whatever. Because the other thing is, you know, the other default thing is, oh, I just have to be a white male or whatever. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and I would say that in this case. In, in Wolfwalkers, I think probably yeah, you could say it would be a white person <laughs> because they're from so so. that is not going to stop people getting angry about it. I can tell you that much. There is like I've seen oh well, forget it. <laughs> I've seen people like getting angry recently about about films like set in such places where you would go actually why yeah and like getting really angry about like lack of diversity and it's like hang on sorry I don't think uh... anyway <laughs> but um yeah it seems like a really intriguing story I like the it seems like his I mean not just because of the concept art um which involves like a sort of almost um in, in, on first glance it looks like a witch but it's not mm-hmm. it's like a pagan hat yeah. person with a cape um it, it looks a lot darker than his previous Definitely. films. Definitely, yeah. 
Yeah. And it seems like that's where the obviously that's also where the story is going as well. Yeah, I I think I'm kind of getting sort of Princess Mononoke type vibes from it. So am I, and like it, it looks like it's going to have great like right. great uh, atmosphere when it comes I, to just being in the woods or uh, wherever the the story is set. I think that actually atmosphere is the main thing that more as a director is really excelled at. I mean mm-hmm. that's, that's I mean um, you know I I'm I don't think that the story for some of this is uh, some of the sea is perfect, but. Like the atmosphere is spot on, and you know that. I mean, there are lots of um, details, and uh, the places he makes are very particular. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, and the the other thing that actually interests me about it is, and there are hints of it in some of the sea, like with um, with Grandma, is like. An exploration of like religion in Ireland, which is oh yeah, I presume it's probably going to be quite heavily toned down for the film. But um, you know, um, religious tolerance being the uh, the centre of a film for you know Irish children is yeah. is, uh, is pretty big. Deal, that's a, really. that's a, yeah, it is a big deal. Like I mean. Yeah. Especially if that's that's centered around with the idea behind this uh, behind this story with the mm-hmm. with the wolves and everything. That's really it's yeah. going to be interesting to see how far or how they um, they interpret that for this for the film. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the other thing is that it one it's got a central relationship in it uh, between Robin and a native a wild native girl called Maeve, um, and it deals with their friendship a lot. So I I think that um, again the fact that it's concentrate, concentrating on a relationship between two girls is another thing that you do not see very often. Yeah, it's normally um, characters of opposite gender. I think yeah. with a story with a story like this, but it's interesting. It's going to be you know two girls. I oh, what was the what was the film I was just thinking of? I still have I still need to see it, but I was thinking, but I just I just. Mar- uh, when Marnie was there, just kind of flashed into my brain, just like oh yeah, yeah, because that is similar female, idea. Yeah, mm-hmm. female friendship again. Um, mm. Obviously, there's Frozen, but that's family. But still. <laughs> it, it is, and also like, despite the films, like despite Frozen, the film, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like boys can watch that and kind of be happy with it, but but the marketing is still really, really driven towards girls with Frozen. There's, you know, the biggest um, pieces of merchandise, you know, are like the Elsa dresses and things like that. And it's still going. <laughs> yeah, like, it is. Two but, years later. But the cool, the cool thing about like Cartoon Saloon is they're an independent studio, so they're going to have, you know, a different type of marketing mm-hmm. going on around the film, and it will probably do well and serve the characters and the story a lot better than. You know, um, like a huge movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think it'll be interesting, like down the line, to to think about how the cha- that change between a male and female character might have changed it, and y- you wonder if the character Maeve was always female as well, or whether it, you know, at one point it was going to be a 
two boys or whatever. Maybe, maybe. But, you know, if it was... Uh, I think, really... I mean, how old are the characters meant to be? Uh... Looks like they're about... I'd, I'd guess at, like, 12 or something. Yeah, I'd say 11 or... 12 or... to 14. Yeah, preteen area. Yeah, I mean, I I think... Um, even between, like, a boy and a girl of that age, I think things would just still be quite, like, platonic, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. There wouldn't be too much changed, like, with, with swapping the genders. Mm-hmm. Very Castle in the Sky-ish. Um, probably less than that, I think. I think Castle in the Sky is quite romantic. <laughs> <laughs> maybe something... I can't think of a good example, suddenly. Because there aren't many... <laughs> Because there aren't, yeah, no, you're right, you're dead right. Yeah, almost every time there's like a male and female uh, lead together, or two fe- two leads of the opposite gender, it's almost always from r- turns into romantic yeah, story. It's, it's kind of a pet peeve of mine, like um, yeah. romantic subplots that are just forced in when there doesn't need to be one, and it, you know, like if it's a film that's dealing with two children or animals. Oh my god. And it's just like, no, it doesn't need to be Yeesh. that. Yeah, I watched Jurassic World this week. <laughs> aside from that, that was the most pa- that was the most painful Yeah, use aside of that. from it being a flaming turd of a film, they also um crowbarred in like a the most lifeless kids that you've ever seen filmed. And it's just like, who was that for? But, but Dan, don't you understand that that women won't go and see a film unless there's romance in it? Bull. Right. right. Bull. Okay. I'm just gonna yeah, say. Yeah, that's why. Uh, I'm. I'm. I'm, not... I'm, a, I'm female. I'm okay. Yeah. I know. I, I know. That's you. That's frozen yeah. So popular. Yeah, because it's yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> I'm basically saying what the executives seem to think. Well. Sure. They, they I'm deep. not actually saying my opinion, just in case that isn't well, clear the, to anybody. You know, the, the <laughs> That's okay. I mean, and the exciting thing about Cartoon Saloon is, is they are truly a director-driven studio. Yes. Um, still. And they only make films they want to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're not going to be seeing those sorts of decisions plaguing the sorts of films. Hey. Gonna be. Thank goodness. And this time, Tom Moore is going to be co-directing with Ross Stewart, who um, previously worked as the art director on Secret of Kells. Oh, cool! And he also co-directed the the uh, segment in The Prophet that Tom Moore directed at awesome. the same time as <laughs> Song of the Sea, <laughs> when he was filming, when he was doing Song of the Sea in the daytime, and then going and working on The Prophet in the evening. He's a busy guy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that is and, crazy. And also, the screenwriter from Song of the Sea, Will Collins, is going to return as well. So it's a bit of a re-team up of lots of talents from Cartoon Saloon. And but it's going to be quite a while since we see it because next up from Cartoon Saloon will be Nora Toomey's The Breadwinner, which um, we're not going to see before 2017. At least. Yeah, so... And you know how long it took (laughs) Song of the Sea to happen, so... I mean, yeah, that's true, but it seems like they are um, gearing up, and, you know, the the whole thing of, like, Tom Moore kind of 
you know, uh, letting, let, you know, um, uh, you know, letting other directors to, to uh, you know, come forward and, and direct. Um, I don't mean let, let them come forward. I mean, um, what the word I'm, what's the word I'm looking for? Nurturing them. Mm-hmm. And nurturing like development is, is, is kind of a sign that the studio is going to be around for a while and that it's going to be a sustainable thing, which is going to make multiple films and not just, um, you know, make one or two. Well, I, th- I think it's quite a big deal that they're, that the fact that they're working on two films at once, I think that's right. probably a, quite a step up. Um, it, it is. I mean, I think the re, I, do you mean Wolfwalkers and the breadwinner? Yeah. 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 I mean, I think there are certain things with like, pre-production which you can do with quite a um with quite a uh a small crew mm-hmm. um you know like story development and key art development i think you can kind of do that with with a handful of people and kind of be be right i mean that's that sounds like um how song of the sea was developed mm-hmm. really like whilst all sorts of things were going on at the studio like you know a, a small crew or um, developing the story and storyboarding and developing the art. So, so yeah, I think I think like the production is probably going to be. I mean, they might overlap. Yeah, and that would be that would be great because they'd be really busy then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The more they get their names out there, the better. So, if you want to see the concept art, you will find it, and you will find a link to the original tumblr post on animationforadults.com and yes and that post has been quite popular <laughs> i'm pleased to say uh which is nice um and we actually we actually got that out before a lot of other places did it because i just happened to be on twitter when i saw it come up and i went oh hello and <laughs> i i actually <laughs> i don't work in the evening very often but i was like i'm writing that up straight away <laughs> <laughs> my first instinct actually was like Oh no! Someone's like got hold of it and leaked it, and then <laughs> and then you know you posted it and you're like, no, it came from like Tom Moore's Tumblr because yeah. it is quite and... rare to see um, concept art for a mm-hmm. film which is years and years and years away. It's also quite funny because suddenly kept getting loads of notifications through through on Tumblr, and I um I don't. I'm not very active on Tumblr with the AFA account. It's basically just automatic postings at the moment. I'd like to probably mm-hmm. try and up it a bit, but you know, mm-hmm. just so I'm quite, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of busy with the Twitter and, and the website and the everything. Sure. Um, but um, I kept getting like loads of new notifications through Tumblr, and I discovered it was because Tom Moore had uh, reblogged our, our post on. Uh, Eddie of the Realms Eternal. So like, oh, that explains it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. Oh, yeah, I watched that. Yes. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was um, it was quite like the tone was much uh, livelier than I was expecting. Yeah. yeah. What did you say? American. <laughs> yeah, it's more American. Um, it is. Yeah, it was quite American. Yeah, like the the pacing of the um. The jokes and things like that. It's um, written by Americans. That's why. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Um, the the writer is um, 
somebody who's known there there's like two writers on it who are um they've been in animation writing for a long time they've written various um disney movies but not necessarily the big ones they've written like lion king 2 or things like that right uh, or, or Ad- but they've also like written episodes of darkwing duck and things like that yes yeah so they're Love they're that. kind of big big known people animation wise uh let's see if i can bill motts and bob roth yeah they've written episodes of penguins of madagascar phineas and ferb and darkwing duck according to animationforadults.com <laughs> yeah so yeah um wolfwalkers very exciting long yeah. way off yeah <laughs> so move on to some more news and that is a trailer has been released for Finding Dory, next year's Pixar sequel to Finding Nemo. Uh, I got so many, so many feelings from watching that trailer, just warm, all warm and fuzzy. <laughs> this, this the thing. I think people, maybe no names, might be a little bit cynical about this. Mm. Um, but, <laughs> but I think for a lot of people, when they just like heard the music and saw the, you know, saw the characters again and things like that, then they would have got the warm and fuzzies and then... Yeah, that's basically what happened with me. I'm like, I'm sorry, like... Yeah. Just like, I'm just seeing... The fact that I'm seeing these characters again at all makes me very happy. Yeah, it was, it was a bit like that with me. I was like, yeah, funny Dory, whatever. And then, oh, yeah, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long time since I've watched it, actually. Yeah, I know, uh, same here. I remember a time where I was just like, I was watching it non-stop. Mm-hmm. And to the point, like, I, even in my uh, my Spanish class, we were watching the Spanish version of it, and so I was just getting, like, my full dose of that movie to the point where it was like, okay, I need to take a break, and now I, th- I don't think I watched it again since, unless it was on TV, but uh, now I'm, now after so long, I'm just like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready for some more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Finding Nemo, Finding Dory. So, Dan. Yeah. Dory. I know what you mean. I got the same like feeling like as soon as Dory started just being Dory, I was like, yeah. oh, it's Dory. She's the same. Dory ball. But it's it is it is weird. Like there's been like a by the time the film's out, there will have been like a thirteen year gap between Whoa. the first and this. So old. That's um, a long time. Came out in two thousand three. Is that right? Ooh. So, like, I, it better be really good if they're <laughs> mucking that far back. That's that's the only thing. Um, from like a visual standpoint, I saw um a, a, a post where someone said it looks exactly the same as the first movie, and I went back and I actually like grabbed like some high definition stills and I looked at them and the first movie still looks really really good mm-hmm. side by side and so like visually I'm not too sure like there, there there's not too much that they've given away which feels like a, a treat in that sense because Finding Nemo really was like um, a treat I think it was like the first Pixar art book I got and mm-hmm. I just devoured it and everything about like the lighting and the character design I loved. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, don't get me, it's, it's a really special film for me. And I think it's, it's actually one of, it's one of Pixar's best. Um, Hands down. And that's why I'm so kind of wary because I, 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 I don't know. It, 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 basically, it could be, it, it could be the point where the, the, if they're trying to start a franchise with this, it may be the point where they take a step back. It's always when you get a movie gets into a sequel territory that's just like, it could be really good or, yeah. Just like a disappointing step back. Yeah, and I I think you know whatever happens, it will be quite good. But I'm not sure if like being quite good is good enough to mm-hmm. warrant um you know to, to to warrant making a sequel. But yeah, I mean it's gonna do amazingly well because those characters are just so popular, and Dory is really funny. Yeah, I mean, out of, um, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, I feel, I feel terrible that I'm, comp- I'm even comparing the two films, but when you, you have the idea between, like, Cars and its sequel, and now this movie and its sequel, you know, they're, they are focusing on the comedic side characters, this, you know, for the sequel, and, but in terms of just general, you know, endearing quality, Dory's got a lot more, got a lot more going for her, I think. Yeah, yeah. A lot more, okay. a lot more potential. Mm-hmm. I, 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 yeah, it does. I, I'd be really so. I'd be interested to the extent to which uh, Mar- Marlin and Nemo are involved, mm-hmm. because those characters probably a little bit more than Dory, which is why this movie is about her. I think mm-hmm. we're kind of over and done with. Like their there's their main arcs were like, do they get on as father and son? Because you know. Marlin's overprotective and Nemo's a bit reckless. Um, like that's kind of been tied up. And I, I, I know I always like have a problem with, with trying to understand, um, why sequels exist in that sense. Um, but I, I, I'm just, I'm kind of interested like where the characters are going to go because Nemo looks like he's the same age. It looks like a week has passed or something yeah. since the first movie. So, uh, yeah, it will be interesting, like, to see why that was the case and, and yeah, what, what their, their logic is. Play. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know. To be honest, I'm not sure fish live 13 years. <laughs> that's true. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's so they, they aged them in real time. <laughs> yeah, that would be like we'd be we'd be watching their children's children's children. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's multiple generations <laughs> later, but um, yeah. At least the part that I'm most interested in, since the, the Dory is the focus, uh, and what you're kind of mm-hmm. going back to what your cons- main concern is, since you know, let you write because Marlin and uh, Nemo's kind of like you know their arc, at least as far as the first movie goes, that's over. Well, but it's, it, it, it's Sorry, especially Marlin, because he had, like, two major relationships. He had one with Nemo and one with Dory as Yeah, well. that is. Yeah, that's that, that, that's yeah. actually what I was going to talk about. Is, I mean, the fact that, you know, they definitely bonded over their journey to try, you know, to to find Nemo. But um, it, it's, and it's interesting how that's kind of, you know, at least where we see them in the trailer. Like, she looks like she's living next door. And how they're just kind of uh... looking out for each other. Or maybe even living with them. I don't know because she can't go into the anemone. <laughs> I think I think that's probably the reason. I think it's just like a species thing. I don't think it's that they're 
cold towards her at all. Actually, incidentally, that's a great example of a male and female um, relationship in a movie which doesn't turn um, romantic for no reason. I know, and oh, that's, yeah. that's what I'm really goodness. keeping my fingers crossed with this one because I'm like, they, they've got this really cute uh platonic you know mm-hmm. friendship and i was like please please dear god no matter what happens in this movie keep it that way they will because marlin's far too smart to <laughs> <laughs> yeah be a nightmare are you kidding <laughs> pixar don't really do that though do they no uh, well they did, they, they did it with um buzz and jesse and that was really funny and cute I like that. Yeah, but yeah, but that was, that was appropriate. I mean, it seemed like it came out of nowhere, but the, at the same time, it just like that was kind of endearing the way they they played that out. Because they fig- I mean, they figured Woody already had like a thing going on with Bo Peeps. So it's like, oh, we should give you know, yeah. if we have this character, she's adventurous. Like Buzz is adventurous. They're perfect together. It was always introduced, yeah, but it was like it was introduced as a joke as well. So it was always, you know, kind of seen as a bit of a joke mm-hmm. rather. The driving force behind the story. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the, the trailer is for a film that's coming out next year, and mm. it's basically an announcement trailer. They've not yeah. really given away much of the story. I mean, it just it actually just says, doesn't it? Um, she's going on an adventure that she probably won't remember, and <sighs> that, that's pretty much all they've told us. Well, it's it's like less a, a teaser trailer, more just a clip. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is that, isn't it? Because usually they they um great teasers which have no uh which are not um which don't contain footage from the final film. Yeah, they and this looks like do that anyway. I remember I'll never forget the teaser that when uh, Finding Nemo the first one was coming out for the very first time. I remember, well, I think it was um Monsters Inc had just come out in theaters and I was seeing it you know, seeing that movie in theaters and one of the teaser trailers they showed was Finding Nemo and that entire scene where they have with between Marlon and Dory where, you know, that scene's never used in the actual film but both me and my entire family who were watching the, that teaser were kind of saddened by that because it was probably, it, it told us everything we needed to know about those two characters yeah. and their relationship during this journey and it was, you know, the fact that Dory just instantly forgets everything she's told. It just—it yeah. was just, just so funny. And the, I remember the the Incredibles trailer as well. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh, trying to get that suit on. Yeah, they used to make amazing teasers. They don't really do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, what, yeah. What no, ever happened well, to that? They're really busy. They're making like three movies at once and mm-hmm. shorts and yeah, TV specials. Yeah. I think that's where I, it's all going now. I'd rather than focus on those things. <laughs> <laughs> did Did you hear about? Um, is it Toy Story that Lan forgot the the home? The that Blu-ray, was amazing. The Blu-ray and DVD release has got animation by Trigger on it. Whoa! Yeah, yeah. Because what happened was like it was actually like years ago that I say years. ago. Years, <laughs> but um, uh, I remember like someone, some Pixar storyboard artist, like posting like on his blog, like, oh, these guys came to visit, and it was you know the trigger guys. Um, mm. it's like wow, they're hanging out together. 
Yeah, but that's so cool. But maybe like they were, I don't know, like early in early talks for uh, for that opening they did. But what we're talking about, sorry, is that they didn't they don't um, trigger animated an opening for. Um, it was like a fake opening, right? Mm-hmm. As if the uh, the dinosaurs. Oh, the um, battle, the battle sores, battle sores. Ba- yeah, yeah. Um, they they animated like a fake opening, like <laughs> to to make it look like a, uh, uh, yeah, like a eighties style, like super cheesy, uh, opening. But it's it's but because it's Studio Trigger, I mean there is some amazing effects animation going on, <laughs> and genuinely really good. And it's not like um. He-Man like filmation style animation <laughs> it's genuinely really good uh, I'll need to see I, I don't remember because I was when the last time I watched that short but I'll need to check that out again I watched it what, I was not that taken with it I I really 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 liked Toy Story of Terror oh that was that's my favorite too out of all the that Toy Story just... shorts they've done hold on um I yeah I I just loved it because it was really about like the characters and it was about like Jesse like coping with being being trapped and oh it was amazing mm-hmm. that's a really good show yeah I think one of the things that made um uh Toy Story the Time Forgot fall a little bit flat I mean was the fact that, I mean it wasn't the fact that Trixie the one of the one of Bonnie's toys from the th- that was introduced in the third movie it wasn't the fact that it was about her. But the whole, I don't know, at least compared to what the other toys, you know, the ones that we've, you know, the characters mm-hmm. that we've known throughout the other, all the other movies, everything that they've had to go through, having her just kind of complaining about, you know, never actually being a dinosaur, you know, Bonnie never imagining her being an <laughs> right. actual dinosaur, seemed right. kind of like, really? That's what you're complaining about? <laughs> These toys almost got, you know, melted in an incinerator and you're complaining about something like this. There are far worse problems you can have. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyways. Yeah, find your Dory out I, next year. I can't wait. Hooray. Is, is that the only Pixar movie coming out next year? Yes. It went back to the normal one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We, we, we don't want to get... We can't get spoiled here. We can't have two Pixar films every year. Yeah, at the very least, give the folks at Pixar room to breathe because this is there's a lot. It's, it's I'm I'm still kind of trying to wrap my head around the fact that they they you know considering how great Inside Out was, and I mean I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how the good dinosaur is, but um just that that much work and that much effort to get two film animated films no less out in a, the span of one year is guys go go take a vacation. <laughs> go put your feet up. Go get out. Yeah. Go spend some time outside. Well, they must have had like multiple teams working at once mm-hmm. because they're already making, you know, Toy Story Four, and they're you know finding Dory's being worked on and the Good Dinosaur is being worked on at the same time. So they must have multiple crews. Yeah, well, studios that size can afford to have several sure, going on sure. at once yeah sure. i mean they, they they always have done they've always had mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like four films on like different stages of the development um yeah next year it's the double disney year not the double pixar year 
Yeah, yeah the they're, they're kind of taking turns, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> double yep. Disney. Double Disney. Disney double. Disney double. Disney double. <laughs> Zootopia and what? Moana. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. Yes. <laughs> um, up opposite ends of the year, pretty much. Okay, yeah, much so more, the, the fun space. one, the fun one, which is going to be like kind of funny, and then the one which is like going fast, going to be a classic. Mm-hmm. Like that, 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 that seems to be the cycle that they're on with, um, you know, like Wreck It Ralph and then Frozen. It kind of reminds me of that kind of setup where. One that looks. I mean, actually, I really like Wreck-It Ralph. I like it more than Frozen, but here, It's it's kind of been. Um, it was marketed as like a fun movie, and then Frozen was the one which like swept the Oscars, and you know, it's like the prestige movie of Disney. I I had a possible rumor about what the plot of Wreck-It Ralph two might be. I don't know if it <gasps> was. It might be something to do with like multiple versions of Ralph or something <gasps> from like different. Like different versions of the game. My character generator, Ralph. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, different version of the game. Right. So, like, um, I get it. I get it. Like, uh, there, there might be like Ralph sixty four or whatever. <laughs> okay. Okay. That actually sounds really clever. Well, they, they've got to do. They've got to do something that works. Oh, yeah. And if that works with the Mario being in it, yeah, that work. <laughs> I think we're onto something yeah. here. Yeah. Nice. I think I think there's actually a lot they could do with that concept, which um is is which genuinely could sustain sequels. Mm-hmm. And um, because you know you only have to just say, oh, there's a new technology, or there's a really old piece of technology, or because they did it in the movie itself, they just sort of you know. Um, Introduce the um, what's that racing game? The one that um, Sugar King Rush. Candy. No, the one that King Candy was. Um, uh, like Turbo really... something. Yeah, I think it was just called Turbo. Was it? I think so. He was called uh, Turbo. What was the game called Turbo? I don't know. <laughs> I haven't I watched what... the movie in so long, so but, I'm like, to... I was not really bothered by them saying, "Oh yeah, there's this game like that's in the corner that you've not heard of yet." And it's like, oh okay, yeah, they would. Yeah, you know, I'm not. Yeah. I th- I think um, for Wreck-It Ralph, they should probably move away from the arcade because I don't know. Like outside of you know Tokyo, do they really exist anymore in in such a culturally relevant way? At least not well outside of uh, a couple of mall arcades and boardwalk yeah, arcades exactly. and yeah. I yeah, know there's one uh, a, a local bar near where I live that's basically exclusively like uh you know like I kind of arcade style but other than that no really Yeah exactly like there are a few places in London there's like a few like specialist arcades and um Nam Nam is it called Namco World where it's just like I yeah I think so <sighs> and then they, but but yeah apart from I've been there you, you I know, think that was awesome there being a house of the dead at a at a um Bowling alley, like if you're lucky. Well, they, but, they always seem to still have arcade machines on ferries. I've, I've oh, really? noticed. There always seems I've, to be a fe- one on a ferry from about at least 25 years ago. <laughs> 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 like, oh, Joe and Matt Cowboy nin- Caveman Ninja or something. 
that that might be something I remember from my childhood. That might not be recent, but <laughs> it was on a ferry. Uh, yeah. So, oh, the other trailer. Did you watch Boy in the World? Um, I, I actually it. got to. I actually got to watch it just before we got started, and I have to say, I'm really kind of blown away by what I was just watching. It seems it's it looks just looks like it's uh, I'm I'm still actually trying to process my thought my thoughts and feelings on it. I'm, I'm the only thing I can really discern right now is that I'm excited. Which is yeah, amazing. it looks it looks interesting. Um, it's just amazing that like G Kids is able to release these movies because yeah. because they've really quickly become like a serious player in like the distribution like a uh, world and um the fact that they're not veering away from more obscure movies like this is just like great because it really doesn't look like anything i've seen before as a no not at all at least at least as a as a feature length movie yeah you know, it almost um, seemed more like a short when i first first watching the the trailer just it seemed like just like a some kind of short film but you know to, to mm. think that this is going to be a, a full film i'm actually kind of really interested to see where it's going to go it looks like it's going to go like a whole ton of different places mm. yeah, yeah and, and i i think um it, it's cool i think actually you know like g kids are probably kind of prepared audiences for visually striking films and now that like that they're still interested in you know releasing things like this, it's just I just it's great, yeah. Because uh, who else is gonna do it? <laughs> it I mean, it, that, that I mean I really mean that because um, I know like lots of G Kids movies tend to be released by Studio Canal here in yes. the UK, but. We don't. We sure as heck don't get everything. Um, you know, um, there are plenty of G Kids uh, movies that G Kids release that um, that we just don't get in the UK. I should probably interject this point to explain to our listeners what Boy in the World is. Yeah. Um, it is a Brazilian uh, 2D animation, um, and it won. It won awards at the Annecy Film Festival in 2014, uh, and it is a hand-drawn animation that is apparently completely well, completely dialogue-free, not silent, because um, it's also very musical, and it's it's a small boy having some adventures that doesn't really sum it up at all. But you just have to watch the trailer because it is it is very visually interesting, and it also features. A interesting mix of music that has got sort of Brazilian folk music and apparently also Brazilian hip hop somewhere in there as well. So very interesting. So you can check that out on animationfredox.com, and it is being released in New York and Los Angeles in December um, to make it qualify for consideration for the. That's awesome. The Academy Award for Best Animated Film next year. Totally, get people out to see it because that it from at least just from what I'm looking at with the trailer, I really it, it definitely looks like it it should get its due credit. Mm-hmm. 
But um, as we said last week, I'm I'm not entirely sure it's going to make it into the list with considering all the competition. Mm-hmm. But but I love the fact that they're even trying for it. To be honest. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Go G kids go. Yep. And come over to the UK, please. Please do that. <laughs> please do that. More importantly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it is also going to be released more widely in um, January next year um, in America and presumably Canada, um, which is pretty much standard G kids release strategy. They release things sort of. They do major cities first and then they roll it out and eventually you get to see it all over the country pretty much in if you've got pretty any... much i think i think the canada i think the canadian distributions are slightly weaker which is understandable but Tor- toronto <laughs> yeah exactly and toronto and ottawa probably <laughs> exactly and i have a few canadian friends and every single time i tell them about like a movie like this which is coming out i'm like oh it says there's canadian release and they're like no, no, that's. I bet you that just means Toronto, <laughs> and it usually does. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's sadly the case for a lot of countries. Like, I mean, go, oh, Irish, oh, Irish release Dublin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When when it's um, you know, more indie sort of films, you mm-hmm. generally you might find yourself having to wait for the um, home release. Sadly, but. If you can see Boy in the World in the cinema, it looks like it's going to be worth it. Mm-hmm. Whether we'll ever get it in the UK, I'm not sure. Maybe Studio Canal will pick it up, especially if it if it does actually. They make might it well. In, they in might, a... might well do. They um, they might well do. They're not bad. They just because they are not primarily, you know, G Kids' main thing is releasing animated movies for children. Uh, and you know and. Not 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 just animated movies for children, but you know independent animated films. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Studio Canal in the UK, they release like everything. They release, um, you Paddington. know, Paddington and all sorts of things. Um, and they have their own movies that they make and fund. So, unfortunately, the and the smaller animated movies are not top priority. They're off to no. kids. With Ghibli pretty much out of the picture, we might see them picking up some more, maybe as we have seen with Boy and the Beast. But uh, we... we we might do. It would be nice. Honestly, I think they. Well, yeah. Honestly, I think that the Ghibli movies were probably their best chance at getting big audiences in, and. With each new movie, it seems like there's there's a new studio and a new team behind it. I mean, the ones that G-Kids are releasing, like mm-hmm. Boy in the World and next year, um, April and uh, the, Extraordin- the Extraordinary World. Yeah. Um, I kind of completely forgot what I was talking about there. But you, um, <laughs> you get the idea. You get the idea. Yeah, and, of course, Studio Canal are also the people who are released the um, cartoon saloon films in the UK and Ireland as well. Mm-hmm. So, so they they have they have been the people looking out for us over here recent, <laughs> recently. Yeah, I think they certainly take cues from G Kids. Yes, 
and they've also released things like they have released some things like Ernest and Celestine and things before they got yeah, released yeah. in the US, which is interesting. Um, it is but, interesting. Uh, it's what's weird is is I remember when Ernest and Celestine came out in the US, I saw lots and lots of people like saying, oh, "I bet this is never going to come out in the UK." <laughs> well, when it's in fact of, it was already on DVD here. <laughs> yeah, and it sort of snuck out subtitled. Which is... Yeah, which is which, which was a really odd choice, I think, for that particular movie because it's exactly the sort of film you'd want to take, you know, younger audiences to. You know, the yeah, sort of. I wanted to show my nieces to it. <laughs> how many films are there that you can say are absolutely guaranteed to be appropriate for? You know, under fives. Yeah. Very, very few. Even like Disney movies have quite scary moments. And Although, to be fair, they would have released it with a dub had one existed. I... <laughs> well, did not... they they do sometimes. I mean, they dabbled in in dubbing themselves. Like Arietti has a. Oh, that dub. <laughs> it's not, but I don't yeah. think it's bad. You did Spider Man in it. <laughs> I, I I was I wasn't a fan of that dub, but no. it did have uh, Saoirse Ronan in it, who is awesome. She was she's always great. And also, Boy, yeah, not any Spider Man, right? Tom, he was Tom. Somewhat, Tom. What's his name? Tom Holland. Tom Holland. That's it. Yeah. The not yeah. the historian. No. Yeah, um, Spider Man. He, uh, God, that perf- yeah, that performance was really bland. <laughs> Whereas the American dub's got like, is it Will Arnett and other people? Yeah, still quite, still quite um, quiet sort of performances from everyone though. I think in that film, I'd be interested in seeing it though because it's quite interesting to see films with alternate. Dubs. Sure, they really, that that they, they, they really do change. Yeah, they really do change the the effect of the film. Mm-hmm. I think Studio Canal thought, yeah, it's just, this is based on an English book. <laughs> no, I appreciated that. I did. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I thought that was cool. And I think it also came out ages before it did in America as well. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, it did. Came out like. Th- summer and then in America it came out in the following February yeah because it, it surely it would be cheaper just to buy in a dub if it exists <laughs> than yeah. make one yourself right point the world covered <laughs> yep right um, another news story this week is speaking of dubs and possible alternative English language dubs Dragon Ball Super is going to air in English in 2016 in Asia. Uh, not not sure how I feel about that because a I'm happy it's finally getting dubbed, but then again, just like I mean, good good for Asia, but uh. <laughs> that was like yeah. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm... No, I can feel your pain. Do you want? I have no. I feel left out. I feel very you left should. out. You, you absolutely should, and I have zero sympathy for this because I was like 
I was a fan of like a few anime series when I was about like 13 to 16, probably a bit older. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would just be so frustrated with waiting for, um, for releases of things. And in a few short years, like things like Crunchyroll happened where Crunchyroll, you know, um, was operating quite illegally and then quickly became legitimate. Um, and like things like simulcasts are really common now. And I just cannot. So, so, so on, on, on the smallest level, and this is like, you know, I know my, my opinions do not reflect those of Chris and his empire, but, <laughs> but, 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 um, I gotta say, like, hang on, if I can just jump on the torrent site and grab a sub right now, then the fact that some neckbeard in his basement's done a better job at distributing this thing than, like, a giant company, which could probably do a pretty good job at simulcasting, um, I kind of have zero sympathy for, for why you should wait, really. Yeah. When it is, when it is possible. And you know, the only reason it's not happening is greed is, is, uh, it has, it is probably Toei just like yeah. holding off and they're, saying, they're, they're, they're making, they're, they're probably just kind of baiting mm. fans because, because yeah, the reception it, of the movie was, was so phenomenal. Exactly. They're just like, oh no, we, they can afford to wait a little while longer for this, right? And like, no, we can't. Remember, you're dealing with DBZ fans here, people. We don't like to wait. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Your program is we get cranky, screaming. What do you think the fans are going to be like? But, yeah, it, I just kind of think, okay, if this is the only reason this has happened is greed, then just you should just download it and watch it, or find some watch anime online panda thing dot com and just. Don't do that. We're not well, supposed to endorse no, that, dude, remember? Animation for just not endorse that. You might not, but I gotta say, but, what the heck else are you supposed to do when? It's like I know other people are because I, I see episode reviews every week of the show. The thing mm-hmm. is, is that the um, so worldwide like distribution law is is still tied to copyright law, which is frankly ancient compared to how people consume things nowadays. Um, but Japan in particular, their media companies are still quite old fashioned. And I mean, the fact that simulcast exists is pretty, um, revolutionary as it is because I think, you know, I've, I've mentioned it before ages ago, but in Japan, like home media, uh, like DVDs are really expensive. Um, I've, had, yeah. you know, I've had friends who have um, lived in Japan for a little while and they've said, it's really annoying. Like, um, you can't buy anything because everything's way too expensive. The only DVDs you can afford are in bargain bins or like pre-owned stores and everyone rents everything. And because, I mean, I guess quite rightly, Japanese companies are really afraid of, um, uh, reverse importing. Is that what it's called? Reverse um, importation. Yeah. Reverse importation where, Whereby, because home media is so much cheaper in the U.S. and 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 uh, and Europe and uh, and Australia and 
English-speaking territories, that Japanese fans will import DVDs from America and ship them across, which is still a lot cheaper than just going out and buying, um, you know, a, a DVD set. And it's so, got worse since Blu-rays. Yeah. Because exactly because America, America and Japan share a Blu-ray region where they don't share a DVD region. Mm-hmm. So you found a lot more like strict laws and strict um, um, conditions put on releases of yeah, which is why you get got things like Kill a Kill being released across five D, five Blu-rays in America, which is like old school. <laughs> it's 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 insane, and I have and I have zero sympathy for big media companies which refuse to catch up with the way uh, that people now consume things. For better or worse, it's how things are, and if you refuse to catch up, then you're going to disappoint people and you're going to probably end up making less money in the long run as well. Yeah, definitely. If they, had, if they, if they probably prepared the Dragon Ball Super um, series properly with a dub or at least a sub and like released... Well, I think they must be having... They're having trouble getting episodes out just in general because I remember... I haven't, you know, I haven't really watched too much of the show yet since I'm trying to, I'm, you know, holding out for when we do get a dub because that's how I, you know, I grew up with the series as a dub and I have nothing against the Japanese actors because I, you know, they're, you know, that's how they originally came out. But I just, that's, you know, playing to my nostalgia a little bit. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I've already been seeing reviews, like I said, of episodes that have aired so far that people are finding a way to watch somehow. I don't know how, but, um... Some some of the stuff I've been hearing about, at least some of the ep- initial episodes, is that you know you know the first episode or two, good animation, and then once it got into like the introduction of like the you know recapping what happened in Battle of the Gods movie, something happened where the animation just took a really noticeable dip, and uh, okay, and a lot of well, people, yeah. a lot of people have been saying it's definitely you know with you know trying to basically, basically, like, cracking the whip for the animators, you know, you have to get this episode done now! And basically, you know, cutting corners just so the episode can be released on time. So... Yeah, yeah it's not... that, that has happened in the past with Dragon Ball. Um, I mean, I noticed that when I was way younger before I even understood animation. Like, you could watch episodes of Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball GT in particular. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. There were really shoddy old episodes... Um, but that gets into the whole wider problem of just how cruel Japanese, um, uh, animation production is. And, you know, there, there are, there are certain series which, you know, and I'm, and I'm sure that it's probably worse than this, where there will be two weeks, um, to animate an episode before it airs, which is insane. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's um you know once once it's been done once then uh, the uh you know the tv stations or whoever are demanding these episodes they're not going to ease off they're going to think well you've done it once before do it again well it, uh, it's it's i think it's weird though because you know given dragon ball and dragon ball z's success and especially the success of the movies you'd think that they'd they would have prepared for this, but I, I guess not. You think they give a shit? Yeah, I. Well, th- they had um, Sailor. There was that new Sailor Moon series. Sailor, where, Sailor Moon Crystal. 
And I believe it's called. Yeah, I didn't watch it, but neither I have saw, I. I saw there were a bunch of like really, really shoddy, uh, shoddily drawn scenes. Um, yeah, they've actually been clearing it up for the Blu-ray release. Right, right. Which is just like crazy. Just do it right first time. Surely it's mm-hmm. easier, <laughs> and it will cost. It's starting to. Money. It's starting to feel like with an, with like anime, they're doing um the whole like the video game thing. So you have to pay extra money even after you've already bought the game for downloadable content. Right. You have, yeah. You have yeah. to buy the the Blu-ray version to see the proper one. Exactly. It's like ugh. Let's not let's not go there, guys. Please. That's been happening for a long time in anime, uh, though. That's been happening for for a while. Um, that's that's something slightly different. I mean, I think I think just um, yeah, like having having noticeably badly animated episodes for such a huge series is is just weird. Mm-hmm. Something as huge as Dragon Ball, which is. Which is one of those rare things which is like equally as popular in Japan as it is outside. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I mean, outside in in um, English speaking territories, uh, mm-hmm. it's just a bit weird. Yeah, they really. It just seems like they should have sorted out something like they did with Space Dandy when they had produced the English language version simultaneously, because. Presumably, they're totally holding out for a, a TV deal in the US, which is why it hasn't been. That makes sense because but it, but... Well, it makes sense, but it really doesn't because people in 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 like the businesses of TV like kind of accept you know joke and accept half joking and no one watches TV anymore. Meaning, the traditional model of you know having a time slot and having people tune in. And give you ratings at that time is kind yeah, but Toei are Japanese. <laughs> well, this is the thing. This is this is like where my frustration comes with <clears throat> with um, and it must be infuriating being an international distributor dealing with these huge Japanese companies with their giant egos and and stubbornness because. That's not how people consume things. It's just it's not. Not anymore. not anymore, at least. The biggest audience would be a simulcast. And, um, yeah, they're just not doing it out of, out of stubbornness. And I, I, I'm being cryptic here, but I hope they get what's coming to them. Because well, that's, that's, it's, 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 it's alien to us, I think, because we're kind of, I think people are slightly more used to the idea of fans being treated well. And it's actually quite, it's, it's actually like become a bigger deal, I think. Um, the idea of like things having a fan base and those fans wanting to be like respected by how, by how things are released and how things are done. Mm hmm. And in those terms, it seems like a great big uh, two two fingers up. Allow me to be devil's advocate for just a minute. Yeah. All right. It could be argued that maybe Dragon Ball's audience is a bit different to the typical anime <clears throat> mod, you know, current anime audience. Yeah. In that a lot, 
a lot of Dragon Ball fans might be a bit on the older side, the people who grew up with mm-hmm. it. They'll be obviously there are new anime fans coming through all the time who are discovering Dragon Ball for the first time. Yeah. But there's you know there's all the people who grew up watching it, mm-hmm. who are the people who ru- rushed out to see it in um in uh, the the movie when it came oh, out, August. which is yeah <laughs> the nos- nostalgic factor of that. So. They might be say, you know, okay. They they might think, and I I still think, you know, they're not so old that they don't watch TV no, or I think streaming that, I think, or whatever. But yeah, they might yeah, be thinking yeah. that they're they're okay. that Dragon Ball's audience might be on TV. Well, but I can understand. That I can understand to a certain extent because um I know it was a couple of years ago, but um I know Nickelodeon had the rights to air um Dragon Ball Z Kai. When uh, that was first being released, and uh, so who knows? Maybe they're hoping to try to do the same thing with uh, with Super, which is why it's taking so long. But I don't, I, I don't know if Nickelodeon still has the rights to air anything, you know, Dragon Ball related, you know, anything. So because I unfortunately have not been, I haven't been keeping up with that side of the Dragon Ball news. Yeah, I just wanted to know if the new series was doing well in general. It, it just seems very, very strange to me to, because, you know, lots of anime used to be, it used to be that, you know, you'd go to conventions and you'd see people, like, already cosplaying as things which haven't even been licensed yet. Mm-hmm. And, and it seems like things were getting better and it seems so, just so weird for such a huge franchise to not be, uh, or just to have not caught up really. With how well, according to mm. well, according to an interview on the a n n cast um <clears throat> with a guy guy from Funimation, yeah, like a couple of m- months back, mm-hmm. he said no one in the u s has got dragon Ball super yet this was a few few months back or whatever mm-hmm. um and this this news is that it's gonna air on Toonami's Asian version, which goes out in a bunch of it's mainly sort of south. Asia um, yeah, and yeah. India. It's India, Thailand, places like that. Um and they show thing they show things in in English and they've aired uh, like Dragon Ball Kai and Dragon Ball Z in English. Um and they're going to apparently air Dragon Ball Super in English in mid two thousand and sixteen. Which is interesting news because as far as we know, <laughs> no one's announced a dub being produced before now. Um and because Funimation haven't said anything, yeah. people are saying. I mean, if anyone, if anyone was going to say anything, I wouldn't <clears> think they would. They ha- they haven't, but you know, things actually can can go ahead really quickly, and you, mm-hmm. I would be really surprised if it aired in if it aired in Asia with the English dub before it was aired in the US. I'd be really surprised. Yeah, um, something seems really off about that premiere. But um, it has happened before that there have been English language dubs that have been only aired out of English speaking countries. Right. That has happened. Right. There but have I been, mean, like, dubs produced in Singapore and stuff, and by expats that are really amazingly done. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> no, they're terrible. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> I know you don't. There was um, I had a couple of. DVDs review stuff um, mm. 
but the, the dub was really weird and you're like what and then you found out this was dubbed in Singapore apparently <laughs> <laughs> and by people who may not be natural English speakers um, thanks Alan yeah, so yeah um, there was also there was an alternative dub of certain episodes of Dragon Ball Z by the Ocean Group yes ah uh, yes I remember that was the that was the first dub I listened to mm-hmm. so it could be a situation like that but it would be really, really, really daft if they released Dragon Ball Z in English in America without getting the original cast back. Yeah, I mean, but they're already ready to totally... go from after the movies, so just like... I mean, that might be the delay. Getting Maybe. getting everyone together. Possibly. Getting the band got back together. <laughs> there's there's, there's going to be a... Um, the Channel Four documentary about that that guy who who looks like a crazy lion running around <laughs> trying to a band get back together. Who was he called? Justin Lee Collins. <laughs> <laughs> crazy lion. I just think of the Blues Brothers when I hear "Get the band get back together." Oh, they have to get the band back together because a a Texan billionaire is gonna sell off the studios. Or the rec center, or something. Mm-hmm. So they have to get all the Dragon Ball Z actors back together <laughs> to, for one last show. <laughs> yeah, they're on a mission from Shenlong. <laughs> Shenron yeah. or Kami or Kai or whatever, whatever deity they're uh, or they're going with in the series now. Probably, probably yeah. Beerus because you know the God of Destruction. It's the most recent one, I think. <sighs> awesome. Oh, Dragon Ball, right. what do you do to me? Look what you do to me. <laughs> okay, I think that's all the news that we're going to talk about. <laughs> sure. All right. Oh, there and was there was now... one more piece of news that we that we that we missed. Oh, okay. Um, and that is that the uh, Illumination, the un- the un- untitled Illumination film directed by. Um, Garth Jennings has got a title and a synopsis and a bunch of images. Have we spoken yes. about this before? We haven't, have we? I don't. We've mentioned we we've mentioned it as untitled <clears throat> Garth Jennings right. Illumination Project, and we did at that point know that it was about a koala. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, but this is so. This is news still. Yes. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be, like, about singing, I think. The mm-hmm. movie will have over 85 songs in it. Whoa! Um, which is really nuts. And judging that most animated movies are about 85 minutes long... <laughs> One a minute! Yeah, I wonder how long the songs are going to be. And, like, that just sounds insane uh, oh, this is this is like a marketing genius thing they're going to put the 85 original songs immediately available for I, on iTunes after <laughs> yeah the children are going to be singing them all the time and getting downloading them and buying all 85 songs well at least and... at least they're not going to be overplayed <laughs> it's not going to be let it go is it it's not going to be uh, that one bloody song <laughs> <laughs> there'll be there'll be there'll there'll inevitably be songs which I quite like. 
Um, and they've released like a short synopsis, which is a mouse, Seth MacFarlane, who croons as uh, oh boy, who smooth, who as smoothly as he cons, a timid teenage elephant with an enormous case of stage fright, an overtaxed mother with um, run ragged, tending a litter of twenty five piglets, a young gangster gorilla looking to break free of his family's felonies, and a punk rock porcupine played by Scarlett Johansson. Struggling to shed her arrogant boyfriend and go solo, each animal arrives on the Buster's marquee, believing that this is their shot to change the course of their life. Uh, so it sounds like Garth Jennings like was watching a lot of X Factor, maybe. Maybe. <clears throat> see, um, this 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 is the thing. The concept it doesn't. To be honest, it doesn't interest me, <laughs> but. It's Garth Jennings. I know. And I trust it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's. I would. Yeah. I. I'm. I'm interested because he's going to have an interesting take. And this is the first Illumination film to be, like, written and directed by someone from outside. And it's also just going to be a test for them because it's outside the franchise that made their name. Mm-hmm. Although they've also got Secret Life of Pets coming out next year as well. Mm-hmm. So. It'll be interesting to see how it pans out. I think they but know how to make films that appeal to a wide audience. Yeah. So, you know, I think they're they're kind of they're safe, is it? <laughs> is, is it worth? And yeah, Garth Jennings being involved is the thing that's got me interested. Same. Same. Ah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, because. Um, Son of Rambo, who's just one of my favourite ever movies. Oh, that is great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he made some very good music videos, and I do like <laughs> Hitchhiker's Going to the Galaxy. And, and so do I. So yeah. do I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of awesome design work and stuff in that, so. Mm. It will be interesting to see him produce an animated film. And Although, at one point, he was going to do like an adult animated film. I don't know what happened to that. This will do for now. Right, have we got any more to say on that? Or we covered that one? I think we covered it. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Awesome. Right, um, time to talk a bit about anything that we've been watching. I haven't got a lot, but I did remember when I mentioned Trigger earlier that I did uh, rewatch the final volume of uh, Kill la Kill uh, because. I wrote an article on it ages ago, um, and I watched it through the av- the available volumes I watched in English, and then I watched the the final episodes just streaming. Um, so this is the first time I've seen the final episodes in English, and yeah, Kill the Kill is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't seen it, it's just if you like anime for it's off the wall, and crazy, and just not like anything you've seen sort of factor then you'll enjoy Kill the Kill because it's insane um, I'm probably going to write up a review of it at some point um, it's got a pretty basic setup at the beginning but then it goes in a completely unexpected direction after a few episodes um, you think it's going to be sort of a fight of the week show when it's totally not it's got a completely mental thing and I guess I'm going to has everyone, everyone seen it? I actually have no. not had the opportunity to see it. I have been meaning to watch it, though, because I've 
I'm not. I'm not going to say. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you for why I haven't seen it. I was actually really excited about this, um, and then it came out, <laughs> and then I watched <laughs> the first episode, and I was really, really put off. And I know that. Um, so you know, Studio Trigger, they are, um, you know, a lot of their um, their staff are ex Gynax guys, so they have. Um, they have particular tastes. <laughs> no, they don't. No, they don't have them. They don't have them. They exactly. like. They, they like. I mean, they like them. <laughs> they 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 they're great guys. But you know, you, you spend your life like at a desk, like drawing things. You're just gonna. You're starting to sound like anyway. Bender, Chris. <laughs> sound like who? Uh, from Futurama, the robot. <laughs> Sorry, I'm sorry. Keep going. Ignore me. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, but yeah, basically, I was I was really into it, and oh, I, I thought I was going to be really into it, and then like the episode came out, and there was this really, really unnecessary um, plot point with a suit, which, being really frank, just rapes the main character in the first episode. And I know it's it, it's 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 not explicit, but everything about the way the scene happens and the way it's staged is kind of using like a kind of violation of that sort mm. as, as something that's meant to be entertaining. And there was not enough in the first episode to convince me otherwise. For me to want to watch the next one, if that makes sense. Okay. And I and I and I have actually spoken to friends I who feel have... bad now. <laughs> well, no, no, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. I didn't see it like that at all. I didn't. That's fine. You shouldn't because I've I've spoken to friends actually who felt the same way and have since like persevered with it and they've said, oh, it redeems itself, um, and this that and the other, and. But the, the one thing I don't really accept is that it's, it's in some way satirical of, you know, um, it's kind of trying to have his cake and eat it. Mm-hmm. It might just be one of those things where, you know, it's, it's up to everyone, everyone's, you know, individual interpretation. Some people might either, they, you know, see it like you do, Dan, or not might just have that something like that go completely over their heads. I don't know. I'll have to figure out figure that out for myself when I uh, sit down and watch it one of these days. Yeah, I I felt it was just a little bit too interested in that mm. and the, than the story. Um, but I I mean I was being incredibly harsh, and I really did like you know the animation and um, the background design and everything looked great, and it was good fun. It was just. Character was design was actually... interesting too, at least in certain aspects of you know, the main, like the main character. I think I liked her, like her normal design. I kind of liked, mm-hmm. but so I'm interested to see you know that and the other characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was really, it it was really um, yeah, it, it looked like a good old um, Imaishi design. The the, the director. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was. I wrote an article on him for that. Anime limited blog. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I would say maybe give it another go at some point. Mm-hmm. Try and 
<laughs> see if you because I, I didn't see it like that at all obviously that's how you saw it and you know no one can change that but I think yeah I think it it doesn't it doesn't focus on no it, it, it might it, not it, it, I think the the interesting thing for me and it was like a weird like moment because <clears throat> there are so many things in anime you just have to go look you're gonna have to just deal with this and get past it like with fan like fan service basically yeah I, there there have been plenty of shows uh anime Where... specifically that I've had to you know kind of do that. There's so much I'm willing to put up with, but there was. This... I think I might just be immune at this point. <laughs> exactly. Well, this is the thing. This is exactly the thing. You know, when I was like 16 and just watching anime all the time, I was probably quite immune to it. And now I don't tend to watch so much. I watch lots of anime movies, and I'll watch some episodes of like new series here and there. Um. But when you're not so used to it, um, and you forget that it is, for better or worse, actually kind of something of a convention at this point, it's really hard to watch something and not, um, overanalyze things. Cause you know, when, when you're watching like anything else, you're encouraged to like read into everything. I think if, if, if a film is, is, um, is robust, I think you can pretty much pull apart everything and, <clears throat> you know, um, and find something, you know, like uh, and, and an example is in Jurassic Park, there's a scene where, um, <laughs> they first arrive on the island and this is a slight spoiler for Jurassic Park, but, they first arrive on the island and they, they're coming down in this helicopter and they're told to put their seatbelts on. And you might remember, um, Sam Neill's character, Alan, Alan Grant, he can't get his seatbelt to work because he, he only has like two buckles. And in the end, he, he's like, I, ca I can't do anything. I got, I've only got two buckles. And, um, in a panic, he just like ties the two buckles together in a knot and like pulls it. And it seems like a really inconsequential, like kind of jokey moment. But in actual fact, if you look at the film, um, being about like a, an island on which there are only female, um, dinosaurs and they start to reproduce and, you know, the joke is like life finds a way. And the fact that he's had, he has two buckles, which are essentially two female, um, <laughs> you know, Say no uh, more. I think I, I get that. Connectors on a, on a, on a belt, on a, on a seat belt is like a really f cool, like joke. And I think things and, and Jurassic Park, which is like a really populist movie, which is like an audience film. Even something like that, like, has a moment which is really thematically resonant. And I find it hard then to, like, then switch over into anime and then look at, like, Kill a Kill and the, um, as she called Ryuko, um, like, dressed in a really, really scantily clad, um, suit, which is almost a joke at this point, but kind of not, because there are certain things 
with like the framing and like I said, how how things are presented, where you can't ignore. It, it, it's very difficult to um, to ignore things and decide which take at face value and which things are thematically important to like the story being told and it's a really exhausting thing more than anything um to do whilst you're watching something to think like oh, okay is this like an anime convention and should i just ignore it or can i just enjoy this as a thing by itself mm. um so yeah i was being incredibly harsh on 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 kill the kill uh but for whatever reason i i couldn't actually bring myself to watch the the second episode really um s- seriously mm. uh yeah. but i really want to i really want to give it another shot at some point anything else you've been watching yeah. chris um i have i have decided to plow through and continue watching um more Gravity Falls series oh. one, so I, can try and ca- so I can try and catch up. Oh, incidentally, have you heard there is a a date for the second half of the season? Finale? Oh, I did not. I did not uh, hear about that. When is that? I think November twenty third or, or thereabouts. Yeah, it's coming up. Mhm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I watched some more episodes of Gravity Falls, and there was a really awesome one. Where um, a character from like an arcade game has hey link links through through the <laughs> show <laughs> a like a sixteen bit style beat 'em up uh, arcade game comes out into the real world and starts causing oh problems. yeah yeah and and it was a really awesome episode but I I kind of find it interesting the way that like all these wave of like Cartoon Network and Disney XD shows everything are all obsessed with like. 8-bit and 16-bit games and stuff, like, in Adventure Time there's all these, and it's interesting because it's, you know, it's like the generation of people who are making shows now mm. that's what they grew up with Yep. but, you, and, you know like, the adult audience who are watching it are also recognising it, but you have to think you know, like, yeah 8 to 11 sort of audience <laughs> who are the supposed <laughs> audience that these things are aimed at I just wonder how it goes down with them. I I, I know exactly what you're saying. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, I mean, that does tend to annoy me when, when there is a kids show and the audience is primarily kids, and yet there are reference to things which are jokes that only, as you said, like <clears throat> the production stuff would would get. Mm-hmm. Um. But I think in video, I mean, like the way that culture works now is that everything is actually available at the same time. Like things aren't re-released, like movies aren't re-released because they're just always on DVD and always on on Netflix or on TV. And the same with video games, kind of, where yeah, there isn't like um, a linear trajectory in video game development, you will see lots of different types of video games about. And I don't think it would be super alienating um, for kids to have, like, 
16-bit, 16-bit um, references to those sorts of things in 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 their cartoons. But I, to- I, yeah, I, I totally get what stuff you're... like Minecraft or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but I totally get, yeah. get what you're saying. It's it's really um, uh, that was actually one of my uh, worries about uh, Danger Mouse that it was going to be, mm-hmm. and it actually incidentally is not at all. No. Um, uh, that it was going to be like a one of those cases where you go, hang on, who is this for? Is this for the parents mm-hmm. watching, or is this for the kids who should be enjoying mm-hmm. it most? And it should be for both, obviously. <laughs> R- yeah. yeah, I think primarily it should still lean towards kids. I think. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> no, I know, I know, I know, I know um, what you're saying. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a good point. That's a good point. I think in the case of things like Gravity Falls and Adventure Time, um, the audiences, and I, I don't actually know how they divide, but something interesting, and I think I might have mentioned this before, but something interesting that happened with them, um, like me understanding who Adventure Time was for, is I was in a comic shop once, and there was this like kid who couldn't have been older than 10, um, and he was really into Adventure Time. And he'd gone to this comic shop, and it was obviously like a street film. And he went to look at the T-shirts they had, and they didn't have kid sizes for any of the Adventure Time mm-hmm. T-shirts. And I remember his mum, like, being really upset and confused, like, thinking, hang on, who is this show for? So I don't actually... I couldn't actually tell you, like, um, who who the audience for these shows actually is. Whether it whether it is as many ten year olds as as we think. These things do apparently go out at nine o'clock <laughs> as well in America. <laughs> confusing us completely. Yeah. Um Yes. Um other than that, um I haven't been watching a whole lot, but I did want to give a shout out to something that I enjoyed listening to. And I'm going to give a rare shout out to another podcast. And that is Rob Paulson's Talking Tunes podcast. And Rob Paulson is a legendary voice actor who who may know as Yako, Pink, yeah, Yako Pinky on Twitter. Because he played Yako in <laughs> the Animaniacs and Pinky in Pinky in the Brain. Among many other characters, including at separate times two different Ninja yep. Turtles. Um, and many, many other roles. Um including recent appearance in Rick and Morty. And he has different guests on the programme all the time, other voice actors. He's done one with like Steve Bloom and other people from the anime active community. But he recently did a episode that's just come out in the past week which is um for based on Rick and Morty and it had Dan Harmon and um Justin Ryland on it and another guy whose name <laughs> escapes me. Um, Ryan Ridley, maybe? I think it was him. Another writer and producer. And, yes, and it's amazing. It's really funny if you love Rick and Morty. Um, Obviously, Justin Ryland does the voices, which is amazing. Always funny. (laughs) Is he always... Is he he just as... Because I I listened to the uh, commentaries that that Jason recommended. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And... 
<laughs> and uh, yeah, if you thought that Justin Roiland in the form of his voices was a bit much, like he just, uh, yeah, he's like constantly like making really lewd comments about summer and um, <laughs> and just making really tasteless jokes. Was he on good behaviour in, in on the podcast? He does have an explicit tag, I believe. Right. <laughs> he did. He did. He did um, do quotes from uh, Doc and Marty, so you know where that goes. Okay, because he's um, quite. A, he's quite a troublemaker, which is yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. And the, <laughs> I think Dan Harmon basically says it was amazing for him to be the um, the voice of reason and. <laughs> Calm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. After his history, yeah. So, if you love Rick and Morty, you should listen to that. And also, it's a good podcast to listen, go back and listen to other episodes of because they have some really amazing voice actors. Um, back in the, it's been going for a few couple of years at least, and he does regular episodes. He has a Patreon and everything, and. You know, here has people like Morris LaMarche and... Oh, God, I love Morris LaMarche. Oh! Yeah. Those people are yeah, great. He was also, yeah, he was also at the... Because um, this was a live recording um, that, that was done a couple of months ago um, in Hollywood. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, Morris LaMarche was there. And he makes a brief cameo in that episode doing, doing I believe, the... Um, the brain voice. Yeah, well, in his own voice. Yes. Well, well, brain voice or um, or Orson Welles, however way you want to put it. Oh God! Whenever you have all those people in the same room, like only great things can happen. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing because they obviously do all the voices quite regularly. So, I would say definitely check that out if you've never heard it before. Yeah, I need. I I, I need to add- subscribe to this like right now. We might even have some followers who have come new listeners to our show because I actually um I recommended it and and then Rob Paulson retweeted it and picked up a few new followers from that. So that was cool. Um and that's pretty much what I've been doing. Rachel, anything to talk about? Not too many things like uh this week save the usual suspects, you know, Noragami, uh K Project and um you know been trying to keep up with uh, what's going on in Star Wars Rebels, but I will say that in preparation for um, the uh, article that just went up recently about the you know top ten uh, villains in cartoons, I uh, sat down and rewatched an old favorite of mine called the uh, Transformers: The Motion Picture, and. Yeah. My my my! I've, it reminded me how much I need to write a review for this movie because I have mm. I have lots of feelings toward it, and I feel like I need to at least you know explain them to or explain it to uh, the folks out there how what what that means about the film and you know all that. But it's I like it. It's very nostalgic for me. I wouldn't say it's a good or, or greater even that much of, you know, going into good film territory, though I would say it's leagues better than the Michael Bay movies, and you ask any Transformers fan, they'll probably tell you the same thing. But <laughs> it's just, it's it's an interesting little how do you I don't even know what to, it's just hard to define it's an interesting little film in terms of the fact that it basically 
I think was the basically the defining feature of why Transformers franchise has persisted, other than the fact that, you know, other than the toys that originally, you know, that was the main focus of that film and the television show. So, yeah, it was fun rewatching that. And was there anything else? Uh, there was one show that I remember watching um, in uh, my college uh, anime group way back when, and I just kind of got back into watching it. It was called, um, I believe it's, the title's called uh, Gun Sword or Gun X Sword. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I don't know, I just, I kind of, I, I was in the mood to rewatch that this week, and I just watched, like, the first three episodes again, and I, I, I'm probably going to watch all the way to the end of the series because I like to watch it in one go like that, but I, I've forgotten how much I love that show because, I mean, it's... Mm-hmm. If you watch it, it's, you're definitely going to see notice a lot of cliches, especially if like you've seen stuff like Trigun and uh, like kind of like space western sci-fi kind of style story. But it's still got a level of uniqueness to it that I think that's enough to set it apart from those other shows, and that still you're able to enjoy it. And it was very interesting how it's like you know it's basically you're following this guy who's trying to get revenge on this guy with a claw hand who murdered his wife and then basically just everything that uh you know the, his his journey is his journey leading up to that and the people he meets and travels with but it also helps that he's he's super duper eccentric as most anime protagonists are but he's just eccentric in a very unique way that I thought made the the show stand out but yeah it was it's, it's fun watching that again and if, yeah, if no one's ever watched it, I would recommend it. If, especially if you like um, that particular kind of genre or, um, hell, if you just like watching giant robots fight, this is also a good show for that. The very first anime website I wrote for back in the day, my first sort of dip into writing, um, it was an old anime site called UK Anime that doesn't exist anymore. Um, I used to get these packages of DVDs sent through to review and um this was back in the day of, of singles you didn't get bo- nice box sets of stuff and i'd just get random volumes of things sometimes that i haven't seen any of the others <laughs> <laughs> um gunsword was one of the series i remember getting getting through um i think i only saw like the first couple of volumes but i quite enjoyed it it was i haven't seen it since <laughs> a long time ago yeah is that that all you've been watching? Pretty much. Nothing, not, like I said, mostly just those other usual suspects that I'm just keeping an eye on until their season, their respective seasons are finished up, and then I'll write a review on those later. What's it? Dan, anything? Um, usual stuff, like South Park. Did you watch that this week? Has there been another one? No. <laughs> there was another one this week. Um... Probably in light of recent events, it's probably going to be a bit harder to watch after the oh. However, um, it's it's another one of the cases of them like, kind of burying the lead. Um, it appears to be at first about ISIS, and then it turns out to be kind of about cops in America. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And then it kind of turns out, out just a general sense of empathy, um, which is being lost on South Park as it kind of evolves into this um, more 
seemingly or or also also it thinks more PC, more liberal. Um, mm-hmm. um, I mean, yeah, it's uh, an old character. Uh, Bob Brady is back. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, right. to to be the face of um, uh, integrity or otherwise <laughs> in uh, in the police force in uh, in South Park, and um, yeah, there are a bunch of really interesting things going on in it. It's also really funny. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, a highlight is like some the the adults ending up saying to Bob Brady, "This is not really a spoiler." But it's just they say you're the only cop this town needs, Bob Brady. Now go shoot some kids. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's kind of where the episode's going. Um, uh, but it's uh, yeah, it's it's a good episode, and it's way mm-hmm. too complicated to even begin to really talk about properly without. Mm-hmm. Um, screwing up <laughs> um, so so yeah there's, there's there's that usual thing um, otherwise I mean unfortunately I can't bring myself to do uh, on this day um, in 1996 mm. because that would be Space Jam was released on this <laughs> uh, we've, we've done that I think <laughs> Um, earlier in the week, I was really quite run down and I needed, I don't know, I needed something and I don't know what it was. So I ended up watching, um, Whisper of the Heart. Ah. <clears throat> Has anyone seen that? I have not I have really not. had the chance to see it now, but I, I right. know of it. It's, um, I mean, it's probably best known for being the only Ghibli movie directed by Yoshifumi Kondo who was, for all intents and purposes, like, the heir to, like, Miyazaki, or the intended heir to Miyazaki, um, before his tragic um, death, I think at the age of 48, in 1998, um, mm-hmm. from, from an aneurysm. And Whisper of the Heart is known for being the only film that he actually directed. Um, he worked with Miyazaki as an animation um supervisor and animator for years and years and years previously um and i think he i mean he's an animator on he's 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 animated on lots of ghibli films as well there are some great scenes he's done um and he also actually um animated and i think directed um that small portion of um uh name uh is it called little nemo it, oh, it has Little Nemo! Billion, it has a billion titles. <laughs> because, uh, it's I know the film you're talking about, I think. Yeah, the scene with the boy in the bed flying through town. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was directed or, or animated by Yoshifumi Kondo. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Whisper of the Heart is, I think, one of my, it's probably my second favorite Ghibli movie. Really? <clears throat> Seriously, it's unbelievably honest in every sense, and, and and what I mean by that is, it's actually almost really cheesy. 
Um, but I've watched it so much that it's got to the point where I don't think it's cheesy anymore. Basically, it's, for me, my favorite, um, film or manga, which encapsulates the idea of shoujo. Hmm. So, it really takes the main character very seriously. She's just a high schooler who is trying to do her best at exams, living in Western Tokyo, and um, Shizuku, the main character, um, she also wants to be a writer, she thinks. And what the film does is, it's actually quite plotless. It doesn't really have a fantastic story. It's it's sort of just like about her general struggles and the things that would really matter to someone of that age. Um, you know, she's she's uh she's played by like crushes that she has or that other people have on her and how she kind of struggles not to fall out with her friend over these crushes and um and all sorts of things like that. In fact, the story is adapted from um, a, a manga, which is, I mean, on the face of it, the most shoujo-looking thing in the world it's got. <laughs> I mean, I, I've read the manga, and it's not as good as the film because it really leans heavily into, like, shoujo... Um, uh, uh, like, you know, there's a certain kind of exaggeration with things. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's that's um tied to the genre which you can't really escape in the yeah. in the book. But the but the movie itself is is just is just the most amazing slice of life um film. Uh it, it really celebrates just really mundane, ordinary places like train stations or um like dingy little alleyways or 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 schoolyards or school classrooms or um uh, the the main character lives in um in a high-rise uh block of flats mm-hmm. and they're you know it's like a typically like cramped um tokyo like dwelling the more so, you just, the more you're describing it the more this is sounding familiar to me i'm trying to wonder if, like did i see this at some point or um it's it's possible i mean the 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 main things that happen in the story is like she she discovers um an antique shop which has uh which is which is owned by an old man who's who seems really interesting and mysterious and kind and he owns this this um this statue of a cat which is the baron cat oh Um, from uh um uh, uh, the cat returns yeah yeah um anyway like i i could talk about the story but i'm i'm not i'm not going to ex- explain the story it's it's just it's just one of the most amazingly honest animations i've 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 seen because it really celebrates every single part of this girl's life everything that's kind of slightly un unideal um like her living conditions and the fact she's quite messy and, um, you know, how her parents expect a lot from her and how her parents actually kind of understand her. It's not all, 
everything's not all good to war. It's going to be a dramatic thing that could happen um, mm. to, to 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 this to this girl. And and essentially, like the the title kind of refers to Whisper of the Heart. It refers to um, her awakening, really creatively, because she really wants to be a writer. Um, be what she thinks is a good writer, and 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 the the reason I think I've seen it so many times is because it's not obviously cathartic in the way that a lot of movies tend to be. Um, there's not like a clear. I mean, halfway through the film, I was watching it the other day, and I was thinking. I don't actually know where this is going. I mean, I've seen this a billion times before, but I, it's not obvious at all, even by, mm. you know, the midpoint. Like, what's going to happen? That does sound interesting. Like, I mean, I, um, I'm always impressed when the movie can can always keep you guessing on where it's going to go next. Yeah, it's really like a magic trick. Um, because it's still, I mean, every time the end comes, I'm just like in floods of tears. Aww. <laughs> because it's... um it's somehow really touching. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's one of my favorite animated films ever. And the more people see it, the better. I better seek uh, it out then. It's, it's really something special, which is, I think forgotten a little bit. At least in the grand term of all of the studio Ghibli films. I, yeah, I think that might be one of those films, but, and well, at least it won't it won't be with me any longer because I'm gonna go find it and I'm gonna go watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really, I really, really recommend it. It's a really sweet film. Cool. Um, and Is actually, that it? well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think it's an important film also because it's um, it seems like the recent run of uh, Ghibli movies, kind of since Arietti, mm-hmm. have kind of been attempting to recapture something of the spirit of the film. Oh. Um, yeah, interesting, because I've, I've seen Arietti, and I'm, I'm, I'm wondering yeah. if, I, if what you're talking about, if I've, if I've, you know, I've noticed it in Arietti, and if I'll be able to recognize it's, it. It's in not the obviously there in Arietti. It's there in Arietti in the sense of, like, how the film has a very gentle story. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's more obviously there in... Um, up on Poppy yes, Hill. Yes, precisely. Yeah, from Up on Poppy Hill is is um, quite obviously, I think, trying to recapture some of the whimsical like magic of Whisper of the Heart. And there are a few, there are a few moments which are completely stolen, completely um, out of the film. I mean, quite knowingly, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, no, it's an important movie, and it's. Uh, it's it's a very it's a, it's a strange thing in terms of history because it's the only film that this uh, this guy got to direct. Yeah, super sad. <laughs> uh, Although, yeah, sorry. As a point of history, mm-hmm. if if um, if uh, what have, had happened, what happened to him hadn't happened. Mm-hmm. Well, Miyazaki was supposed to be retiring, and then he before Princess Mononoke, or was it after Princess Mononoke? Yeah, I mean, yeah, um, 
It was. Yeah, you're right. And it was in between Princess Mononoke being released at mm. Spirit's Way starting production that Yoshifumi Kondo died. Um, mm. but, I mean, interestingly enough, actually, the film is actually storyboarded by Miyazaki and scripted by him. Yeah. Um, so he was, you know, really, you, 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 you know, they were having to, to prize the film out of his hands because he's, you know, just, or he was, you know, just very, very hands on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that you, Dan? Yeah, I hope so. But <laughs> 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 no, thank right? you for your recommendation, Dan. I'll definitely look into yeah. that. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've got an ever-growing collection of uh, Studio Ghibli films, and so I'm, and I'm, I know I am noticeably, noticeably missing a few, so I will need to add that. It's such a treat, and it has like a really like lovely, but kind of um, uh, like dated sound uh, soundtrack, which yeah. is just like lots of synthy um, plinks and plonks, and okay then. Nice. It's also it's also very much of its time. Okay, so, that's good fun. Awesome. Okay, um, before we wrap up, um, just a little bit of fun because uh, obviously it's been work up for now <laughs> to, <laughs> to sit through. Uh, <laughs> no, a, a bit of extra fun, should I say? Um, recently, IMDb. Uh, has released uh, a list of 25 top 20 f- top 25 TV shows by user rating from the last 25 years, um, and this is this is um, obviously since 1990, and it's film it's TV programs um, according to their all-time user average user rating average. So it's not just what it is now. So some films, some some programs. Got a lower rating than something's higher in the chart because it's got a better average over mm. over time. Right. Um, and out of there, there's quite a few animated film animated shows, and I just thought it'd be interesting to know uh, if you you might be able to guess what these might be because some of them may not be what you're expecting, and the order is also kind of surprising. Mm. Well, um, so these kind of depend upon. Who hangs out on IMDb and votes? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, and this is just like judging from the films which are most popular on IMDb. I'm going to say that Hey Arnold's in there. Is that right? No. Oh, that's surprising. That's so sad. That's surprising. <laughs> Ooh. Um, I mean, how sure are we going? Are we going for like shoe people, Poddington peas, like? Uh... Do you really think the international <laughs> IMDb community rated shoe people up <laughs> in the top twenty-five? Oh, I think goddamn with that one. Um. Yes. <laughs> shoe people. <laughs> Oh, I know what soundbite is going in this week's episode. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Shoe oh, people theme song. Uh, oh, yes. I'm not listening. 
Oh, shoe people. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna take a guess. Um, one of my. I'm just gonna go. One of my favorite animated uh, television shows that I know got a good good bit of uh, positive press was uh, Avatar: Last Airbender or Korra or anything related to that. Gargoyles. Avatar is in there. Avatar is number ten. Okay, mm. it's in the. It made the top ten. Um, that that that's acceptable. It should be are higher. Doing, hang on, in my personal opinion, it should be higher. Ten? But no, there's. This is ten over out of the twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Overall, in, not just animated. Avatar is number ten. Right. I I think Pitch I can that. accept that. So these are all shows overall, not just animated. Okay. And you're trying to guess what for? Um, there are, yes, there are. Um, let me see. One, two, three. There are four anime. Oh, four mix. anime shows. Um, definitely. Yes. Ding, ding, ding! Number nine. Right. Death Note is number yeah, nine. That makes sense. Above Avatar. Okay, uh, uh, I'm not sure how I feel about that, but uh, we'll, we'll let that let that go. Um, oh, uh, Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, number seventeen uh, should be higher. Yeah, my opinion should be higher. Would Dragon Ball have made that? Okay, ding ding ding, nineteen. Okay, that's all four, right? That's three. There's, there's, one, there's one more. There's one left. Bleach. One left. No. Naruto. Damn it. No. <laughs> um, is... This is one of the most surprising, and it is at number six. Overall. Um, more surprising. Is it something quite old? No, it's not that old. It is a... Okay, here's a clue. It is a remake. Or an alternative version of a series that's a bit older, but it's oh brotherhood. Oh yes, yes. full metal alchemist bro- brotherhood. It's number uh, six. Oh, you know what? Oh. Yeah, that's good. I, I that's that's good. That's great. That, that is, is a, a phenomenal show. show. Although I did have to watch it in about the space of days, I think <laughs> I am. Um, it was in the early days of the magazine. <laughs> Um, when I I still had a day oh job. Oh boy, <laughs> that's that's really rough. Um, I had to write. I think that was the week, the month I had my first cover feature, which was like eight pages on Bleach, and I also had to watch a series of Dragon Ball, I think, and a series of Full Metal and all of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. That's really rough because I mean. The first Metal, uh, Full Metal Alchemist series was pretty long, and that and yeah, I don't think it was, but I don't think it was nearly as long as Brotherhood ended up being. No, that's it's very long, long, but it's very good, very long. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have not watched it in the space of. No, that's that's definitely a show you need to pace. It's it's better watched paced out instead of just crammed all in to a couple of days. Okay, um, so there's two older animated series sort of early 90s Animaniacs um Looney Tunes no think think okay clue one of them Spongebob superhero 
Oh, Batman animated series. Yes. Ding, ding, ding. Number 23. Okay. Uh, Number 24, I'm not sure you're going to guess. Unless I give some pretty specific Mm. points. European. What? I think the cartoon might be Canadian. European, based on a popular comic book series, has had a movie version in the past few years. Directed by a director with a beard. I got nothing. (laughs) You all have beards. I got nothing. (laughs) Um, The most famous director with a beard. Oh, Tonton. Oui. Number 24. Wow. The Adventures of the Oh. Which is... Put put a dunce cap on my head. That's that's really bad. (laughs) It's that's the original... French slash Belgian pronunciation. Mm-hmm. Okay, this leaves two left, which are very high in the list. They are in fact number two and oh, number wow. three. Animated shows. They are both. They are both much more recent. Adventure Time. We may have mentioned them in the show at some point, possibly. Steven Ooh. Universe. Not the universe, no. Should be there. Gravity Falls? Number three. Oh, wow, indeed. awesome. Hang on, what, what is this list again? This is the... Top 25 TV shows from the last 25 years voted for by the IMDb um, users yeah. as an average rating. So mm-hmm. I would imagine, because these series have not been around so long... Mm-hmm. It's kind of skewed it. A yeah. Bit. yeah, it's always a bit biased. They they have um, whenever they have like the best comedy moment, you know those list shows they have on TV, of like the, yeah. the greatest comedy moments. Like, I remember like uh, it's always Del Boy falling through the. Well, it, it's Del Boy falling through the um thing. Either it's Del Boy falling through the bar, or it's I remember like the week. year that Little Britain was really popular. It was a clip from Little Britain. And it's yeah, like, it would be. well, you would say that because it came out this year. And anyway, mm-hmm. um, all right, something that came out recently. I'm, I'm guessing Adventure Time. Wow. No. Okay. Um, um Adventure Time. Is it funny? Oh, Rick yes. and Morty. Oh, number two. That's crazy. Yes. So num. So Rick and Morty is number two. It is a in fr- ahead of Game of Thrones, Sherlock. Wow! Breaking Bad, Flight of the Conquerors, House, Arrested Development, Six Feet Under, The Wire. Right. So, so this really The Sopranos, Father <laughs> Ted, Oz. Yeah. So, Friends, so, so this is really Twin just Peaks and X Files. Who happened to be on IMDb voting? Yeah, it's it's not the most um, comprehensive list, but I just thought it was funny to see these animate so many animated films in the list and also their placing kind of yeah i mean yeah, I'm, that, I'm, I'm just happy avatar made 10 i mean that and a mm-hmm. couple of the other am, animated shows made it as high as they did i am pleased that rick and morty i think is. i think rick and morty is going to be one that sticks around i think this isn't flash in the pan i think this is going to be you know it's 
one of these things that's going to be people's favourite mm-hmm. show. So. Mm-hmm. And Gravity Falls is also, I think, going to be around for quite yeah, a Yeah, thank time. goodness for that, because it's got, it's got a lot going for it. Is it really, is it, is it confirmed that it has another season? Not that I've know, heard. But it has, they have at least got an air date for the final episode, so. Maybe yeah, maybe once that. they're finally, they're, they're finished this season and, you know, they've gotten everything. Okay. That, that season tied away, you know, you know, nicely with the bow, then they'll probably start the, you know, get ready to announce when, when there's going to be another season. Considering how much sort of mystery and stuff surrounds Gravity Falls, if they went, oh yeah, there's going to be another season before the end of this season, it'll give away it stuff. Might... Yeah, it gives away the fact that they're not, you know, going to finish the story. I mean, perhaps they are going to finish the story. It'd be weird mm-hmm. they did, <laughs> but you never know. Well, TV always has that going for it, doesn't it? It's Mm-hmm. Unless it's literally The Wire or Breaking Bad, and you don't know who's going to die next, mm-hmm. it's you can pretty much guarantee that nothing bad's going to happen to like the main cast. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> oh, okay. oh <laughs> I I really have oh. to catch up on on Gravity Falls. I've only seen like a few episodes just here and there. Um, and I liked I liked what I saw. I just didn't, for whatever reason, dive it, back you, in. You've, you've, yeah, it's it's one of the, definitely one of those shows that you have to you kind of have to if you're watching it out of order, you need to really catch it on the right episode in order to like hook you and then just and then keep going. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was um I was with some friends who had been watching it like every night, and I went around their place just one evening. And they were like, oh, we've been watching Gravity Falls. Do you mind if we watch it? And I ended up watching an episode, mm-hmm. which was really, really good. It was um, like, Dipper had like a doppelganger or something. Oh. Was it? Well, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and they get they get like worse and worse when you make more yes. stuff. Yeah, I really liked yeah, it. Yeah, that was, that was great. Um, mm-hmm. For some reason, yeah. I just didn't, because I wasn't like hooked into the continuity yeah, I think I just didn't. Yeah, because I because I knew it would mean okay. I have to go back to the start and watch it properly now. To, from what I've seen, there isn't a whole lot of continuity in the first season. Would that be? And I kind of get the impression that that's different in the. <laughs> second yeah, well, season. there's still plenty of hints. I think going on like that's when they first like I think when, in the first season they were you know just trying to find their feet. With the show, but I think the, mm-hmm. the the more episodes they made, the more confident they got, and the more they started hinting and teasing and for stuff to come and and stuff like that. So I don't know. It it really depends. I don't. Is you where where you ever where you want to start? Do you want to watch like be able to watch all of it, or do you want to you know from the very beginning, or do you just want to like jump into a a specific episode and then just kind of figure it out from there? It really all the thing is it depends on your perspective and how much time you have to watch. Yeah, actually, where I've got to, they've sort of started introducing a recurring villain, so I suppose that's a bit more of a over overarching. Yeah, right. definitely. You know, so, how how yeah. how I tend to watch things really is like, regardless of of if thing something is heavily serialized or not, 
I tend to think I should watch every episode from the start. Kind of like with Rick and Morty, where you could just catch an episode here and there, but you'd be missing quite subtle things which are revealed about characters each episode. And I think, like, the... the uh, um, you know, the broadcast, like, order is, is uh, you know, intentional and purposeful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Although, US networks don't always seem to <laughs> consider that. They're like, oh, yeah, just air about the order, it's mm-hmm. fine. Oh, really? Steven, Uni- Steven Universe is a good example of that, at least from what I've Seriously? had to watch. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, if you if you're looking at because I know that the series has been released on DVD, and even then, like with the order that's on there, it's still you know sometimes they'll they'll mention stuff in certain episodes. Like, wait, wasn't that you know an episode before or after? And, and it's it's really confusing. Like wherever you go to look up, like see what order the episodes were is supposed to be aired, and especially in like the mainly the first season mm-hmm. um, of Steven Universe, that was a big. That's a I, I noticed that was an uh, issue, but I don't know. It's just it's weird why people feel like especially with you know they're trying to make shows that have more of a continuity between them you know between yeah, episodes. Exactly. They they try so hard to do that. Yeah, and then they just seem to, and then with stuff like that, they you know you, they just seem to be shooting themselves in the foot. But at the very least, you know it it just it it's just more work for people to you know trying to watch it. Otherwise, I mean, the, you'll eventually watch episodes, and you're like, "Oh, that's connected to that, and that's connected to that." But still, it's just it's it's just more work for fans trying to watch more than anything. Yeah, executives, blooming executives. <laughs> but I think that is a story for another episode. Yeah, and I think it is time for us to call it a night. Yes. Because uh, we've been going yeah. quite a long time wow. through a cage. <laughs> yeah, this was supposed to be a shorter episode. <laughs> we what had a, a lot to talk about. <laughs> I did say there was a lot of news, and then, yeah, it made a lot it's of conversation. And I, th- and I think sometimes, you know, that's enough. We don't always need a, a strict um, topic every week. And they work yeah. just fine. So... It's time for us to say goodnight, and you can find all of our all our, um, our articles and news and reviews and interviews and blogs and everything at animationforadults.com. You can find us on Tumblr, you can find us on Pinterest, you can find us on Google Plus and Facebook, and follow us at AFA Blog. You can follow me at Mr. Christor, that's Mr. Spell Out as a Word, then Chris, then T-O-R. Dan. You can follow me at Hamu on Twitter. Awesome, and you can follow me on Twitter at Fail2Ninja. Cool, and don't forget you can follow Avon at I I underscore <laughs> Ink. I I know. I snare <laughs> you can follow. <laughs> yeah, I yeah I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm falling apart. Um, and follow Jill at Shield Maiden. So you should follow us all. Um. And we will speak to you very soon, where we will have some more animation topics to talk about, no doubt. And thanks for joining us, everybody. Thank you. And you can... Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and we will see you for another AFL podcast. Episode twenty. Yeah, look, look out for that. Uh, oh it's yeah, gonna be the big, big two well, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Bye. Bye. Every time you're slipping down the street Think about the shoes upon your feet Today it's a magic world When your toes are cold Sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-sh-s